0: ESPN LA 710. Welcome to the experience here on ESPN LA 710. I'm Lafern Cusack. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. If you would like to download podcast or um, check out some other information on the show, log on to ESPNLA.com and go to the experience show page under the podcast link and uh, download podcast or check me out on Twitter at Lafern Cusack. Today, We're talking narcissism. You know, you can have a coach in your life, but when does that coach or when can that coach cross the line? I'm so happy to be speaking with certified life coach and relationship specialist, Lisa Sawicki. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, LaFern. I'm happy to be here. Now this has been on my mind for this topic has been on my mind for years, darling, years, because there are so many things about having a narcissist in your life. Can you uh, talk to us? What exactly does a, a, a narcissistic personality disorder mean? Well, basically
1: a narcissistic personality, a lot of it comes from shame, the narcissist itself. Not really internally feeling good enough, but their outer appearance is one of grandiosity and high self-esteem, superior to other people. Um, but they, they, so many parts of them feel superior to other people. But underneath that is really a huge level of insecurity in in many ways and shame. Uh, the narcissist is one of the hardest disorders to treat in, you know, uh, in mental health, by mental health standards, because they don't really think anything's wrong with them.
0: Right. Um, and
1: there's so many, and you there's not kind of a one-size-fits-all referring with narcissism. That's why it's also so insidious, because you don't really know, um, you know, a really, it's hard to know a socially maybe dangerous narcissist that's socially just irritating and bothersome, insulting, and they're pretty overt. Or when something's really getting, you know, hugely damaging and to the psyche or even violence in, in some ways, uh, maybe getting a collective pool of other people to out, out somebody, making a campaign against them. So, uh, it's, it's very, it's a very tricky thing. And I know the word is being thrown out a lot, you know, even more recently than in previous years, but at, People really have to understand some of the traits, and on top of that, we all have a level of circumstantial or narcissism in us. Part of that can be healthy—a healthy ego. You know, like certainly if somebody is really going through a rough time, they're going to be much more um, self—they're going to be much more self-obsessed with their their own self because they're going through a really difficult time. They're not going to have the energy, really, to be very helpful to other people because they're in their own crisis. That's normal. That's really normal. That's not really narcissism. That's just a person going through a crisis. But if somebody all the time is, like, scanning for the negative or asking questions to make you feel put down <laughs> or humiliating you in front of other people um, or maybe they a lot of times the narcissist can overgive uh, to you know they overgive to you and then they
0: expect what they want when they want oh wow right right exactly so but like you know we're talking about coaching there's a lot of coaches out there that feel that and, and parents and, and people that are athletes, they want a strong coach that is going to be really disciplined. But w- w- I don't know when it crosses over. There, there are really some bad coaches out there. It's, this is a huge epidemic
1: because definitely we know that a coach is supposed to, a healthy coach, is supposed to positively push your child um, out of their comfort zone to (laughs) improve performance. Mm -hmm. We know that. We know that demanding focus and effort for each and every day um, at competition or practice is important. So these are all things that might not be comfortable for the parent to put in place, but the coach is supposed to. You know, putting your child in an unfamiliar position to stretch his or her ability to handle adversity that's a good thing. Um, you know, you don't have a good coach should not feel pressure to start their start one person, one child in every game just to appease the parent or, and a coach also should have a higher expectation for your child's performance than even the, the parent themselves can see. So there's a lot of great things about, you know, having a, a, a healthy coach take a child Get them a little uncomfortable to stretch themselves. However, there has to be a clear line between a damaging effort and, and, um, and, and a coaching technique. Because if a coach is singling out one child and humiliating them or making them per, taking an insult and making it personal that they're too overweight, and they need to lose like twenty or thirty pounds, you know, in front of people, or they're really putting them da- they're, and they're putting them down, right. um, and they're uh, kind of outing them. That is clearly a cross line and should not be um, allowed in the schools. And, and that and but you on the other side of it, this is why this is such a complicated and fragile issue in a way because coaches are assigned, they are hired to, to have winning teams and to be competitive. They're hired. For right. That. So, and they're hired to bring the best out of their students. So we know that, but yet if they're using these bullying techniques, that's hugely damaging and call it in colleges. It's mm-hmm. unbelievably fierce. I mean, I know personally people that were stars in high school that when they went to college, they just could not take it. And it, it had a tremendous damaging effect just to be in college football or sports, um, with that, that kind of attitude. Also, LaFerd, About, there was a a statistic in like 2015, it might even be higher now, about 77% of children quit sports by the time they're 13. And I think a lot of this is because of the, some of the bullying that happens. So it's, you can see there's a line between empowering, stretching, motivating encouraging, um, pushing, and real emotional damage.
0: Absolutely. My uh, Just to share a story with you, my nephew uh, was one of the star players on his team. He was very, very good on his basketball team. And they brought in a new coach. And this new coach, for some reason, didn't like him. And uh, my nephew, who has played forever this was high school that he played forever he quit sports all together <laughs> he was like i i can't put up with this you know this trauma I, i'm gonna say trauma he didn't say trauma but mm-hmm. I, I i don't want to put up with this behavior with this coach and you know my brother will And his wife, they were like, well, what can we do? We can't intervene. Do we intervene with the coach? Like, how do you not cross that line if that person is really targeting an athlete, a student athlete, you know, and after all of this, he quit. And then they, the school started losing games <laughs> and everybody was like, wow. please come back. But that is the other mm-hmm. thing is that when you're a winning coach, do you, do you feel like a lot of people, even if you're, you know, you're a coach or, you know, you're a CEO, cause a lot of CEOs are narcissists as well. They put mm-hmm. people put up with their bad behavior because they are achieving results. Absolutely. This is again why it is so
1: difficult and so prevalent in our society because a lot of narcissists are winning at the games we call success. And that is sad. and why they are winning is they have a almost blinders on um, to win, which doesn't get them weakened by more, let's say emotional sensitivity. Or issues. They, a lot of narcissists do not care who they hurt along the way right. to win, to so, get what they want. And they are winning. Yeah. They are so focused. Some of them are cheating to win. Um, but, and they, a lot of narcissists really do feel that, um, you know, and we notice in our society that, uh, money, you know, achieving money is a level of achieving some level of power or that can be mm. used as power when you have money. You know, we know that people will spend money on certain candidates, um, or lobbying efforts. So they can actually, you know, they can, they can buy campaigns, uh, whether you're tra- campaigning as a judge, sometimes just even a judge campaign can be manipulated by, you know, a, a bigger marketing budget. Um, so these things do take effect. And yes, a lot of CEOs and, you know, I don't want to say it across the board because there are many CEOs that really are not narcissists, but, um, that, that manage and, and encourage collectively as a team and are just masters at that. I mean, you, you can, maybe we can note that somebody like Mary Kay, who started Mary Kay products, she was incredible. At mastering uh, the incentives for encouraging women to be their own entrepreneurs, and there was a really um, unbelievable culture in her in her rise uh, for this company to treat everybody with respect. Um, That was huge. Then you take somebody, and of course, you know, he changed the world. um, And Steve Jobs had many, you know, had many incredible. Qualities, uh, to him. He was certainly a genius and, and, and changed our, our entire world. However, I, I think that, uh, I can say safely from everything that we have known about him and, mm-hmm. and read about him. And he would admit, um, you know, if, if he was able to, to admit it now, but, um, that he, he did definitely lead, you know, with, um, there were fear-based kind of statements. And yes. actions and humiliation, you know, in his, in his leadership. So you can kind of see, you know, the two different kinds of styles mm-hmm. of this with CEOs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even, and it doesn't stop at the CEO level. We know this happens in families. Yeah. This happens in social groups. Mm-hmm. This happens in schools. This happens in everyday workplace. This happens could be in your, in your HOA board meetings, you know, or, 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 literally. I mean, you, you will see narcissistic behavior. I've got um, kind of a, a wonderful list of some uh, narcissistic behavior. Oh, please. Um, yes. that, yeah, and I'd love to uh, kind of go through some of this stuff because it, it really highlights, um, y- you know, some of the things that are that are going on. Uh, You know, a narcissist, first of all, a lot of times they do, they, it's like there's no black and white. You're either, they either put somebody or something on a pedestal and it's perfect or it's nothing. It's trashed, right? Right. So let's say a typical narcissistic comment would be if somebody, if they knew somebody that maybe wasn't making the kind of money that they thought was, um, you know, uh, respected. So yes. level, you know, maybe they weren't making a, a, an amount of money that was respected. They would say, he or she makes no money. They would use that kind of language. No money. Or they have no, they, they, they put everything in that kind of a level of, you know what I mean? It's either all or nothing. They have no money.
0: Mm-hmm. Something
1: like that. They exaggerate. Oftentimes a narcissistic parent may have a golden child and then the child, the problem child where there's one child can do no wrong and the other child does all wrong, you know? Right. Kind of thing. Um, that's very common. There's verbal abuse, and this can include belittling, bullying, accusing, blaming, shaming, demanding, ordering, threatening, criticizing, sarcasm, raging, undermining, interrupting, blocking, name-calling. I mean, you know you have to know that many people can occasionally make demands and use sarcasm and and interrupt and, and and things like that, but you have to really consider i mean sure there's levels of teasing and sarcasm sometimes, but it can be not mean spirited You really have to look at did something just feel really mean spirited or was it setting fun, yeah kind of thing you know um. Another thing is manipulation. They will manipulate. They're masters at manipulation. You know? So if, let's say, you turn down something, somebody asks you to do something, you turn it down. Uh, they are maybe a master at maybe pulling out things that you didn't do in the, in, you know, in the past or an isolated incident or maybe something you even confided in them at one point. Yes. And now they're going to use it against you because they're not, you're, they're not, you're not giving them what they want in that moment. Do you see that? That kind of manipulation?
0: Oh, yes. Tactic? Oh, it's, it's, yes. <laughs> but yeah. it's like you have these people in your life. And if like myself, I wasn't aware of what a narcissist was um, and, or their tactics uh, until I was sitting there and going, okay, this feels really, really bad, really uh, unhealthy. And, crap, what am I going to do? Right? So if you're not aware of these tactics, and what they do, then you give them the world or, you know, they ask you a question. And, you know, you may share something that happened to you when you were a young child, or they may ask, you know, and then three, four months down the line, they use it against you. Yeah, in a meeting of with like yes. 20 other people and you're sitting there feeling blindsided going what just happened here and then another few months down the line it's something else that you said maybe you know earlier when you got hired or whatever and then you're like oh my gosh this person is really psych uh, diabolical I'm a diabolical yeah yes. And there, and there is no way, like I was sitting there, I was like, there is no way I can say anything without this person turning it around on me. There is no way, whatever I say. So I went, went out and got this book about narcissism and it gives you like, okay, in this situation, well, first of all, narcissists never hear you or never really want to hear your opinion on anything (laughs) so what do you do in the situation like so they'll they'll come and ask you a question what do you think about this and then if you hesitate they see that as uh being someone who is weak so never hesitate with them and be like well uh you know let me look that up and i'll get back to you if you don't have the answer but if you if you do have the answer you know, go, well, what does that feel for you? What do you think about that? And then turn it back. Well, that's a very good idea. Like it gave you points to say. And I said those points and the, Mm -hmm. and I didn't even give her any, any type of um advice or anything. And at the end of the conversation, she was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That helps so much. Yes, I think I'll do this. And I was like, how my mind was blown because I didn't even say one word of what to do or any sort of advice. And I was like, wow. But wow. It, it, it was mind blowing because it, it wasn't even reality. You know what I mean, Lisa? That
1: is, that is perfection. That is a great, great, great example. You know, just the fact that you were giving her respect and putting it back on her. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then it was like she felt so heard and respected, so to speak, and felt she still kind of was in control of the discussion. (laughs) And you left her with that. So that was, in a way, referred a perfect way to handle a narcissist, because debating really usually is not an option. No, they're just they're not going to play fair. So if you you know you you know a normal healthy emotionally healthy person uh, maybe wants to dispute what somebody's saying or really call them on it and boy you're you're just putting yourself in quicksand a lot of times absolutely uh, a lot a lot of times with a, a narcissist you have to say you know I really have some clear points why I disagree with you we don't have to talk about them right now but clearly you ha- I can see that there's going to be no win here I'm not in agreement with you. You know, and just to walk away because it can get real ugly. Engaging with a narcissist that's got their point uh, being hurt. This is what I'm saying. All narcissists have all different kind of varying levels of sensitivity, and some some narcissists have no sensitivity or sense of morality. They just want to win. They just want to be on top. So they're you know they can they can hurt feelings without feeling it. There's other narcissists that maybe hurt feelings and do feel bad afterwards. But when they're in that moment, they can't help it because it's part of the narcissistic fuel. Yes. They see, sometimes narcissists feed off a put down on somebody else. And it's very, it, it can be very, um, disguisable in a way, very camouflaged, but it's not. But there's a, there's a way of asking questions to somebody that can make them feel less than behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. put down, not good enough. You know, let's say like a question, like if you, if one of your girlfriends was dating somebody and you were all, um let's say you were all playing Scrabble together, right? And then, you know, you're, you're with your girlfriend, you know, you're all playing Scrabble and, and maybe two couples are playing Scrabble. And then um, then you and your girlfriend maybe during the week are going for a walk, you know, and she's talking about him and she's saying, well, what did you think? You know, how did you think, uh, you know, you know, what did you think of him? And maybe a narcissist might say, oh, well, you know, I'm you know, he seems very nice and everything. Do you think he's do you think he's really bright? You know, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, do you think he's really bright, or how is he with money, or something like that? A certain kind of line of intrusive questioning Mm -hmm. that can make you feel bad. And this is what happens all the time. This is this is really scary stuff for people because it's it's so camouflaged and not overt.
0: Uh, Right. In a
1: moment. You know, a narcissist might be at a dinner table amongst friends, you know, and they're all friends or it could be family and that narcissist might ask a question. I remember I was at a party and there was like a hootenanny, you know, where everybody was playing guitars and singing and, and stuff like that. And there was a person uh there that works with children and, um, you know, and in front of this whole group, uh, this other person said, what credentials do you have to work with children? Oh, no. You know? Yeah, just like that. And this person has worked for, with children successfully for 25 years. Wow. You know, but it, like a question like that in front of a lot of people <laughs> is, you know, it, it's not really a fair question. I mean, even though that person could rattle off all their you know all their uh credentials why they work with children
0: but even if that person rattled off all these credentials that person the narcissist would still turn it around as that's not enough or those aren't credible accreditations or whatever so in that thing in that situation what would you advise one of your clients to do um
1: Well, in that situation, you know, what you have to say is, oh, I, you know, I would love to tell, you know, one. if you're being called on something in front of a group, you mean you can, you can just say what your truth is, you know, and just answer the question. You can say, oh my gosh, thank you. I really appreciate your interest. I would love to talk to you more and have a real discussion about that. How about you and I get together, you know, Mm -hmm. separately instead of in front of the group, you know? Or, if you don't have something to say oh i s you can say, you know i have I want to answer you, but I don't want to take the time right now to do that. Let's do that after you know we meet or something like that kind of hold it's kind of like when somebody asks you a question, an interview question, you don't know the answer to it, you don't want to say no comment, you might want to say, You know, I want to do a little bit more research on that and get back to you, or before I answer that question i'm you know I want to make sure that I want to answer it correctly. <laughs> you know, you can pause. Right. <laughs> you you can actually pause. Um, yeah, it, it, it's pretty incredible uh, the different things uh, that happen between, you know, verbal abuse, manipulation, emotional blackmail can include threats or anger or warning. If you don't do this, I will do this. If you don't, you know, do this for me, I'm going to go to all these people and tell them this. You know what I mean? They can use that kind of emotional blackmail on you, yeah. you know, but, um, let's say you tell a, a coworker or something in confidence, um, you know, and then all of a sudden if that somebody if they want you to do something for them and you don't feel comfortable doing it, or maybe it crosses the line of integrity, then maybe they use something that you told them. It could be something like you calling in sick one day when you really needed to do a, something else, you know, or anything, you know, that can be used against you. Right. It's pretty unbelievable. A lot of narcissists are also hugely competitive, you know, and that mm-hmm. with people. So if they're competitive with people, you, you are not safe. You know, you're going to maybe be something,
0: you know, they may p- kind of put you in the ring of embarrassment or humiliation. Right. And that's, it can, it can, pardon? And that's why I, I wanted you on the show, Lisa, is because. It, it is so competitive based and, you know, people in sports are so competitive and then they have, like I always say, the eye of the tiger. And you don't know how to, you know, know what is healthy and unhealthy or is this truly a, a competitive, a healthy competitive nature or a negative competitive nature um, this is ESPN LA 710. I'm Lafern. Cusack. I'm Laferne Cusack. Yes, I forgot my name. Speaking with Certified Life Coach and Relationship Specialist, Lisa Sawicki. Lisa, w- how do you go about teaching someone if it is healthy or unhealthy and determining what they the next steps would be?
1: Okay, so you have to. Uh, every person really has to know if somebody in their life, whether it's a neighbor or a relationship, a spouse, a parent, an in-law, a co-worker, a girlfriend, uh, any kind of a friend, you have to be aware if you are feeling in any way disrespected or beaten up by that person. As, um. You you know, as camouflaged as it can be or overt as it can be, you have to know your feelings, what you're feeling, and when somebody doesn't feel good. So, number one step is to recognize that. Does this person make me feel good and safe and trust? do I trust this person or do I feel guarded when I'm with this person a lot? Do I feel beaten up? Do I somehow feel less than or put down? So the first step is really acknowledging who you, you know, what you feel with different people. Mm-hmm. And if some, if you feel beaten up emotionally by somebody or embarrassed or scared to be with them or uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't know that because that's a, that's a huge step, Laferne, because a lot of people kind of have learned how to accept people at face value. And accept conversations, you know, to be a team player or to not make waves. <laughs> be
0: a so team player, of, right? It's yeah. like, you know, come, come on, buck up, be a team player, stop, hide, hide your emotions, stop being a crybaby.
1: Yeah, yeah, because those are kinds of comments that, that make you feel like you're overly insecure or you're overly sensitive you know, or something like that, because that can be a put down. If you say, Hey, that was mean. Mm-hmm. Hey, that felt mean. And then somebody says, are you kidding? That wasn't mean. You're overly sensitive. You're just being insecure. <laughs> so saying you're just being insecure is another put down. Yes. But Lisa, it's totally another put down.
0: But Lisa, right? absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, 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 no. So absolutely. That's just, that's level one. There's more steps, but go ahead and ask your question. After you recognize who is unsafe, and who does that to you? There's there's some other steps after. You can confront them and say, you know, privately, say, I'd like to talk to you about something. Um, I, you know, I just don't feel like, you know, and then you can talk to them privately and say, you know, the other day when we were all together with all these people and you were talking to me and what you said, it just felt kind of mean, mean-spirited. Like you, it felt like you really... Wanted to embarrass me. Now you take that chance of that somebody saying, "What are you crazy? Mm-hmm. I wasn't embarrassing you. What are you so insecure <laughs> that now I have to walk on eggshells <laughs> with I'm everything that, that I say?" Yeah. You know, it's um, it's something. It okay, is. You had a question. Yeah. you had a
0: question. I, I've got some other tactics, but what's your question? I don't want you to forget it. So, Lisa. So. With this, with this particular narcissist, I saw how she manipulated her boyfriend at the time. And, you know, learning what, uh, learning how people deal with situations and maybe they're brought up in an abusive relationship or their parents were abusive and maybe they need to go to Al Anon or, you know, whatever. Um, uh-huh. not ha- I can see how that person was manipulating the relationship. But in that other person's mind, it's like, well, this is how relationships are supposed to be. Women are supposed to be this way. And, you know, they're supposed to, you know, and therefore they go along with that craziness because they think that this is the way it's supposed to be when it's not supposed to be like that. Right. Right. Oh, man, this is,
1: in fact, I'm speaking about this um, um, next Tuesday, uh, this very thing uh, about narcissistic relationships, you know, romantic relationships. That is such a tough one because I have worked with so many women um, and men that have been the victim of a narcissistic spouse. And I can tell you. It is so crazy-making, you cannot believe, because the non-narcissistic person, okay, um, has fallen in love with a, a very charming person that has incredible qualities. Oh, yes, they've they have fallen are. in love, <laughs> and they've fallen in love with their sweet, maybe even vulnerable side, right? Mm-hmm. So they're in love, they're in the game. Their heart is, you know, is now beholden to this other person. But a lot of times, a narcissist, when they want control after the honeymoon period, can uh, that narcissistic partner can really do some damaging things that make the other person feel uh, so less than, so wrong, you know, um, so demeaned, so belittled, so controlled? They can. They're masters at turning something around. And so here you have the the victim. Okay, let's say the the NPD victim, the person who's with the narcissist just Instead of thinking, wow, this person is truly mean and unhelpful and a real bully, what they're feeling more than that for a long time is not good enough. And not good enough that they're not lovable, that they're not worthy to be a partner. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. That is so scary because a lot of victims of people that have been in relationships with narcissists feel so are feel so emotionally whipped and down on themselves that they can't even see that the problem, the real problem is with the other person because the other person, the narcissist, has been such a master at manipulation and put-downs and somehow using their force and their know-how to, to, to make a case yeah. that the victim is really the wrong one or the bad one, or the
0: weak one, or the
1: unattractive one. Yes. It's so sick.
0: It, it, it is, and and I'm saying this just personally, is that you don't know that it's happening. <laughs> Again, if you're not yeah. aware of the situation, you're not aware that they may be a narcissist. They are so skilled. It is, it, 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 it can take like you could come into wherever and be like the king of everything. Like I know how to you know, manip- manipulate the basketball court or the test. I know how to play my game. But when these people talk to you, they could talk to you so much that it takes your game away from you. And you start questioning yourself and your skills and your talent. And then once they're out of your life, it still takes years to get those thoughts out of your mind and you still don't have the capacity to say, oh, no, I was really, really good at this. You know? Yes. Yes,
1: absolutely. This is why um, this is such a scary, scary disorder because you don't. See it coming a lot of times. It's not crystal clear. It's not black and white. I had a client years ago um, that uh, whose whose husband was a narcissist and putting her down, and was cheating with a coworker. But he lied for years and made to make her and making her feel overly insecure, overly suspicious. All of that. And, of course, it all came out eventually. And it was only when she was able to divorce him that she could clearly start to see all the deceit and all the manipulation and really start to work on getting herself back again to her own normal and healthy. Well, Again.
0: Lisa, we are in 2018 and we want to go into this year being positive and healthy. So, uh, let's talk about that. I know you gave us the, uh, tip number one. Let's talk about some other ways that we can challenge ourselves both and have healthy relationships on and off the court. Well, I think, again, I'm going
1: to go back to that first one, is notice, again, who you feel safe with and who you don't. Notice when notice when a person is inappropriately talking behind somebody else's back and it's mean-spirited or feels like gossip. You have to take note of that so that you make sure that you don't say anything, you know what I mean, that could be used against you mm-hmm. or somebody else. So you have to notice. Who are the unsafe people? Who are the bullies? Who are maybe the narcissists? And I, I say if you have one in your life that you can't let go of, maybe it's a, a family friend, you know, that is in your life or a family member. Um, you, you're going to have to really take some steps on how to, how to work with them or how to be with them in a way that you still feel whole and safe. Mm-hmm. I would be guarded. Num- number two, I would be very guarded about what you say. Keep topics neutral. Keep them positive. Keep them off yourself. If they start to ask you personal questions, I would say divert. I would say do not be in the game of answering personal questions. And, and see if, um, and just say, oh, you know, you can say to somebody, oh, well, you know, that I kind of keep that kind of sacred information. I keep that, you know. But in general, here are some of my thoughts on that. Or what, you know, tell me more about you. I would say ask a, a narcissist love to talk about themselves. <laughs> yes. So the more-
0: That works a lot. You can
1: ask. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the more questions you can ask about them and keep them on their, kind of their soapbox, op- their, their soapbox or their story would be very beneficial. Okay? I would definitely, uh, you know, ask them not personal questions, but just questions where they get to talk about themselves. But you're definitely going to have to be guarded. You're going to have to know that you're not going to win some arguments. So sometimes you're just going to have to let them rattle off their talk and not even start to say, you know, just, just right. to say, wow, I hear you. Um, You know, you've got a lot, lot of strong opinions. I really don't agree with a lot of them or most of them, but I don't want to talk about it now. That's fine. Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, because you talking about it or you correcting them really may be opening yourself up for more of Oh, yes. yes. That
0: adds fuel to the fire.
1: It does. They don't once once you're in the game and they see they've got your passion or they've got your goat, as, as we say, <laughs> yes. then they're going to really that's that's their fuel. Yeah, and that's the that's what they want from you. They want <laughs> don't give it to
0: them. Don't give it to them.
1: Don't give it to them. Don't give it to them. You're right. Don't give it to them. And have your they boundaries. want that. You know they want that. If they put down your husband or if they put down your child. They want to see your reaction. They want to see you lose it, basically. You know, because they just said they just crossed a personal line (laughs) with you. You know? Right. So they want to do it. I would say just, I I say if you've got a, a relationship with a narcissist that you can't let go of, hey, if you can let go of somebody, I say phase them out with no confrontation. <laughs> just phase them out slowly. <laughs> you know, just stop calling. Just be overly busy. If you're going to meet with them, maybe go meet with them for one glass of wine every six months. Phase them out. Don't confront them. If you can't phase somebody out. But if you can't phase somebody out, and they're in your life, I would say the best thing you can
0: do is to do things where you're not sitting across from each other just talking. Lisa, and that's, know, that's what you say yeah. is healthy boundaries.
1: Healthy boundaries. I'd say you have to have healthy boundaries. So I say, you know, do other activities, maybe go to movies or plays or go bowling, other things that you don't have to be engaging in deep conversations if you can. Right. You know. Uh, you know, if you, if you, if you, you know, cannot, oh, you know, disassociate them from your life. But yeah. you're definitely going to have to be very, very guarded. And I think, um, stroking them, complimenting them for the things that you see are good, you know, with them mm-hmm. is another tactic. I'm not saying be a phony, but, you know, just to keep the atmosphere and environment safe. Excellent. To keep them on, on good topics. If they're talking about behind their If they're talking about somebody behind their back and maybe it's somebody that you love, try to divert the conversation if you can. And again, you've got to protect yourself, um, if they're asking you intrusive questions and you can say, you know, I really want to change the subject right now. This isn't feeling good or. You know, I'm processing this. I'm I'm working on this in my own way. So I'd rather not, you know, have this open for discussion right now. You are definitely going to have to have healthy boundaries with people. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is very prevalent with dating. You know, we have a lot of single people. As we know, know statistics are there's more single people now than married. Yes. So this. This dating thing is no joke. Also, is not a safe atmosphere because, you know, girlfriends are going out with new guys, maybe a lot. And so what they don't need with their girlfriends is an audience um, of <laughs> their day-to-day date. You know, I mean, comments on where did he take you? What did he buy you? Where did he take you? Those are, those are a little bit, you know, intrusive. They're, they're intrusive because the question is, did he take you someplace that I'm going to think is nice enough? Or did he buy you something that I'm going to think was, you know, the right gift yes. or something like that? You know, I think questions like, are you, you know, when do you think you're going to get engaged? Or are you thinking of even having a baby? I think <laughs> those are intrusive questions today. You it's know, like, not everybody, you know, can, you know, I think, you know, planning parenthood or or the availability to get pregnant. I think these are, you know, these can be sensitive
0: topics. Yes, yes, absolutely. Lisa, do you have any other ways that we can identify if we have a narcissist in our life?
1: Absolutely. Laferne, um there's an there's a, um, a, a description called gaslighting. Many people don't know what that means. It means when somebody is an, intentionally making you distrust your perception of reality or or believe that you're mentally incompetent. Like, let's say somebody said something that was really mean, and then you confront them, and you said, you said this very mean thing, and they go, no, I didn't. I never said that. I never said that. I never did that. You're wrong. You're making that up. That would be called gaslighting. When you know something's true, but that person is making you feel that it didn't happen, or it wasn't true, or it wasn't being said, that's what that's called yeah. or this fierce competition, like ridiculous one upping, always having to be on top. Oh, you know, being on doing anything to be on top by unethical means or, you know, as such as cheating in the game.
0: So Lisa, um, j- just to jump in real quick. So when you you talk about gaslighting is based off like a film in the forties or something. I think it was called gaslight where a husband kept, Turning on the lights in the house were lit by gas, and she he kept manipulating the lights, making um, it seem like his wife was going crazy because the lights kept coming going on and off. And everyone else was like, he was like, no, they're they're fine. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like so, therefore, gaslighting, and it made her look like she was going crazy, which she wasn't. The end. Thank you. That's so (laughs) interesting. I didn't know that. I wonder
1: if that's how the term came like that. Yeah. You know, from that movie, because it's literally that concept. Right. What you're talking about. That is it. When you're trying to make somebody feel crazy (laughs) that that didn't happen or that didn't, they didn't say something like that.
0: Or, I mean, you can see how crazy making that could be. No, okay. I it, absolutely. And then you're like trying to guess, but you told me this is in my notes. No, you wrote it down wrong. So what do you do? Okay, well, I'm going in with the tape recorder the next time we have a meeting because obviously there's some miscommunication somewhere and where you say that you told me this and I wrote it down and then you say no, I didn't tell you that. Well, I here's my backup. And then that changed everything.
1: Absolutely. And you would have to record everything because the person who does that, you have to literally catch them. You know, you have to record the conversation because they will do that. They will definitely uh, tell you that, you know, what they want to tell you. But that, that did not happen.
0: I, but not recording like not them, not having them not know but it's like okay i'm taking notes to do my job properly and effectively i want to make sure that i get everything correct so here therefore i'm bringing this tape recorder or a tape recorder (laughs) i'm dating myself what's a tape recorder (laughs) what about an eight track um you know bring it in and saying okay i just want to make sure that i do everything correctly
1: Absolutely. And that's a great way to say it, that, you know, just by putting it into your professional um, methodology of getting everything correct and precise. But literally, you're probably in many cases having to do that to make sure that they don't then, uh, you know, tell you that they never said that or that was never their quote or they didn't tell you to do that, you know, some direction. You're right. You have to do that. You have to work with that with people because they do do that. Gaslighting is definitely a a part of what uh, narcissists will do, so you're smart to do that. Um, and to repeat what the direction was. Also when somebody's giving you direction on something, I agree, you know, write it down. I think it's you can't always have that, you know, that recorder to record them, but you'd repeat the three things and also if you're taking direction from somebody, it's always good then to maybe if you can maybe make an email of this is this is my assignment. These are the the tasks that you've told me that you want me to do. So you have a trail in writing behind you so that you can always refer to it. You have to do that with a narcissistic, let's say supervisor or even co-worker or boss at sometimes to have kind of an email trail of complete communication so that there is no room for that kind of thing to happen
0: yes right exactly exactly you
1: have to do that they're so fiercely narcissists can be so fiercely fiercely competitive um they do negative contrasting a lot which means that they make unnecessary comparisons to negatively contrast you with the narcissist or other people um so they're always doing this kind of negative i mean it's kind of like like if. Like if some, let's say somebody lost a lot of weight and they look really good and they go, Oh, you look good now. <laughs> oh my God. I couldn't, you know, and they start to talk about how heavy somebody once was and yeah. now they look so much better, but they can't just give the compliment. They have to give the put down. You see that? <laughs> yeah. They have to give the put down. They just can't give the compliment. So that's another thing. Um, also sabotage, disrupting interference with your endeavors and relationships for the person purpose of revenge or personal advantage so they are sabotaging somehow something you want you know that can be kind of they wedge so like somebody who's a narcissist let's say you and your husband are having a great time and everything well let's say you were with a person who maybe wasn't in a relationship or maybe in an upsetting relationship and they want to see you and your husband kind of get irritated with each other you know they might they might do something. It could be like in the name of fun or even in a game, but maybe even to say, you know, something that would maybe feel like a put down or it would make you and your husband get into a little fight or something like that. Mm-hmm. They wedge, they gang up, they gang up on one of you. Yes. And all of a sudden now you feel it's two against one wedging or let's say, um, you know so you, you, somebody wanted your husband to do an assignment and he did they did you know he did the assignment that he was told to do or he did the favor and then maybe somebody maybe behind his back came back to you and said well he did this but he didn't exactly do it perfect or do it right but they're telling you about it
0: not <laughs> him right that's wedging I mean, you know this is Really unclean stuff. When right? someone's someone's getting into your personal relationship, they have nothing. They what is it that they call them haters or whatever? That's like, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs>
1: exactly. Something like that. You know, somebody telling somebody that all of a sudden, let's say, uh, you know, you're you're with somebody, and um, maybe maybe somebody like a girlfriend thinks maybe you. This is kind of a stupid one, but maybe like a girlfriend, you're already, let's say, at a party or at a dance and maybe uh, a friend of yours says, how come you wore that today? You know what I mean? Like to the party. Oh, yes. Why did you wear that? You know, you're already at the party. You already dressed. There's nothing you can do about it. I can understand. You know, saying to somebody, hey, you know what, before we go to the party or before you go to that meeting, wear this instead of that. That's <laughs> before. You're mm-hmm. giving them actual instructions. But what good does it do when, some, when you're putting somebody down or their choices down when they can't do anything about it now? Yeah. They're already there. Not nice. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's just not nice. They Mm can, you know, an an extreme narcissist can actually lie, persist deception to avoid responsibility. um, And they actually, you know, just to achieve their own needs or withhold information or they can withhold money, sex, communication or affection from somebody because they're upset about something. Mm. So they withhold or they neglect. Or they do a privacy invasion. um, Or they do a character assassination or slander. Well, you... And then they just pull out every terrible thing. And they just bullet off Mm -hmm. all these horrible things. You never get it right. You never get it right. Look at all the times you failed. Look at all the times you misjudged. Look at all the problems you've, you've created. Look at all the bad relationships you have. Look at how you never keep a relationship. You know, that kind of assassination... You know, it's mm-hmm. just terrible. Kind yes. of thing. You know, so there's so many different character- characteristics of a narcissist that you don't see it coming that can be very scary, yes. very scary and
0: emotionally damaging to the psyche. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, This is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with Lisa Sawicki, Certified Life Coach and Relationship Specialist. You could go to selfcoachnow.com for more information. Um, Lisa, if we can go on to, I I know I'm on your website right now. Everybody is talking about, you know, New Year's resolutions. I, I really don't. I don't believe in them. I think it's like, you know, every day, try to live your best life. Uh, can you talk about what you do as like in regards to life goals, um, life goals in going forward? Once you've gotten all these narcissists out of your life or you have set healthy boundaries, can, can we set some goals for ourselves? And what does that mean in regards to life?
1: Absolutely,
0: goals? absolutely. The first thing
1: with, you know, that I'm an advocate of, and I teach people how to daily self-coach, be their own coach. Because, you know, we are all coaching ourselves 16 waking hours a day. Uh, you and I had talked about that. You yes. know, we are all coaching ourselves. Whether we're, you know, telling ourselves to go out and take that walk and eat that healthy meal, or we're, you know, doing something different. We're not, we're, we, we don't, if, even, we're coaching ourselves even if we're saying we're going to do any if we're not even thinking about coaching ourselves, and we're going to do anything we want that pleases us in the moment or, you know, so we are definitely directing our lives. And the first, the first quality that you have to think about is really being your best partner and your best friend and being nurturing and kind to yourself. Not, I think so often in our society, we're taught to succeed in ways that push ourselves, get really uncomfortable, push yourself, um, You know, be more of a perfectionist, so to speak. Really, more importantly, is to be kind to yourself and nurture yourself and say kind messages. So you really want to start your day off with, you know, really being kind to yourself and nurturing and easing into your day. And when it comes to goals, LaFern, the biggest thing is that we all tend to make grandiose goals that are way too hard. So somebody might say it's really common after the first of the year to say, I want to lose, let's say, 30 pounds, and I want to lose 30 pounds by Valentine's Day. Well, that's unreal. That's an unrealistic goal. It's way too hard of a goal. It's much better to say, you know what? I really want to cut down my sweet eating, and I'm going to try to really see how many different days I can go without sweets, you know, and then if I, if, so if I do eat sweets, maybe two or three of the days, it's not seven days, you know, mm. and it's like a little bit of a goal. It's you know, you take your goal and cut it in half in a way to make it easier, more a kinder goal for you, a more attainable goal to reach. If somebody says, I want to work out for one hour every day, every day, seven days a week. That's too hard. As a coach when I hear that I say, Well, wait a minute. I I get that you wanna start working out. Would you can you reach for five days of working out but be happy with if you worked out three days a week? Right. Can you do that? You know? So that way if a person works out three days a week, they don't feel defeated,
0: Right. And mm-hmm. it's not. And that I think that's the key, that defeatist type of mentality where you set seven days a week that you're going to work out for two hours, which, you know, it's crazy. But if you and then you fail, then you go into a depression and then you start eating again. And then, you know, you're back on the couch with your Nintendo.
1: Absolutely. So you can see how as human beings, we're psyching up, we're making the goal so challenging that we just don't want to do it at all. We don't even want to be in the game. We're done. (laughs) It's too hard. It's just too hard. Kind of like back to your, you know, your comment about relationships are too hard if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, you know, but we do that to ourselves. We make too hard of goals. And we have to understand that if we just make a little bit of a goal, so if you're wanting to start to exercise, say, you know what? When I think of it on a given day, if I can go out and just do a 20-minute walk, that's good. And let's see how many days I can do even just a 20-minute walk and feel good about ourselves and reward ourselves, pat ourselves on the back and not make it too hard. Yes. And that's how you get through and make something happen. I think methodically that's how people actually reach their goals. It's every day a little bit at a time doing it and not making it too hard and not blaming themselves if they went three days and they didn't do anything on their goal and they get back on track and say, well, I can start again today. So it's a kinder, gentler way to approach your goals and to make them, very easy to do. Make
0: your goal easy to do. But Lisa that as so as you know, we go into the workplace and, you know, we talk about narcissists in the workplace and CEOs and all, all these th- plans. and You got to do this. A, a lot of the interviews you go in, they ask you, well, what's your five year plan? And for me, I kind of get overwhelmed because I'm like five year plan. You know what? I have a husband and a child. I'm I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, yet alone five years from now. I hope I'm alive. But who knows? exactly i I
1: kind of feel like in some ways though that kind of question is outdated. you know what i mean yes because we're not we're not in the world where somebody you know signed up you know for a job and they see themselves doing that job for forty years or thirty years you know we're we're in an ever changing world technology changes jobs in you know anyway all the time we are constantly having. We're in a state of having to adapt and, you know, and to be flexible. Right. So I kind of feel like a question like, what is your five-year plan? Better, a better question than asking somebody like you a question like that would be, how do you handle, what is your methodology for handling a challenging situation? Mm -hmm. That's a better question. I'd rather to get, if they want to understand what you're about and what your capabilities are, then- They should ask you a question of how you might react to something. That, I feel, is much more indicative of what they're trying to find out than your five-year plan.
0: (laughs) Right, right. You know?
1: so it's it's very interesting. Um, Yeah, you know, we have to stay kind to ourselves, and we have to pause when people are putting us on the stand. Yes. In a way. And be able to say our truth or to say that we'll get back to them. Uh, I know in an interview you can't do that. But, I mean, it's kind of sad if somebody feels they have to kind of make up a story just to appease the interviewer as opposed to having to be themselves.
0: I mean, if I was the interviewer, I would be like, okay, that person is fake. I don't want to hire somebody who's not telling me a real story or, you know, sharing who they are and their skills in a way that can communicate to me that they're going to do a great job and help advance our goals for the company.
1: Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, I think maybe there, there's some better interview questions that could be, what are some of the ways that you, you know, that you want to see yourself grow, mm-hmm. you know, career wise? You know,
0: that might be a better question. Well, do you find, um, Lisa, that some of your clients get stuck on this, get stuck on, you know, creating their goals for, Well, next week or the future? And if so, how do you go about breaking that stuck, that stuck type of atmosphere?
1: absolutely honestly i meet with people and of course you know people can be overwhelmed you can be overwhelmed if your toilet's not working because (laughs) yes (laughs) or there's no power in your house right or your car is broken and now you've got to spend all this money for your you know um engine lisa are
0: you following me you must be stalking uh, me you know my life That's so funny. Well, I just,
1: you know what it is, LaFern. I'm a human being, so I kind of know. All the any one of these things can make you feel overwhelmed, like anything, or you know, like a notice that uh, you know, for, for, you know, from your neighborhood or your whatever. Any one of these things can make us feel overwhelmed. We are definitely in a culture of overwhelmingness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just sometimes, for people to have to drive to their job is so unbelievable <laughs> just getting in their car and facing the traffic or, you know, or or just driving yes. is in itself overwhelming. Especially in L.A. Somebody, or Southern California yeah. is just you know, like, oh. Right. Yeah. It's so hard. So the thing about it is, is that what I tell people is just make sure. You know, and of course, you've heard this before. Make sure your breathing is calm. You know, first of all, get your breathing set so that you're just breathing and pausing and knowing that whatever is in front of you that feels overwhelming is usually not life and death, okay? So we know this is not catastrophic. In reality, it's not catastrophic. Even if you're going to be late for 15 minutes, it's not catastrophic. Right. Nobody's going to die. So you have to put things into perspective. OK, they have to breathe and put things into perspective and get calm so that you can then devise your plan, make your plan and do the best you can and really know what is low hanging fruit and what is not low hanging fruit. For example, fixing the toilet would be a priority in that day <laughs> for your family, yes. but maybe not going to the cleaners, mm-hmm. you know, is not or maybe not making that homemade meal tonight, making dinner. Maybe that's a night where you had too much stuff. You're going to order in food. People are still going to be fed, but making a priority. Maybe you had a plan to get together with somebody, but there's way too many things to do to be able to get together with that person. You may have to call in that chip to cancel that day with that social plan to do something else. You know, you real prioritization. Real prioritization really helps in your day with overwhelm, to know what needs, what has to be done that is not negotiable and what is negotiable that doesn't have to be done today. And honestly, you know what? Cleaning your kitchen and, and your you know, cleaning your house is not always catastrophic. Yes, you want to have a clean house, but don't let something more important go because of that. Yes. You know, you have to bounce off mm-hmm. that stuff. What is really, you know, maybe that day having your house not be all straightened and clean and neat, but you going to the doctor because you're feeling something that doesn't seem right is way more important than those dishes
0: in the sink. Yeah. You can see that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what helped me with that? Having a child, (laughs) having a child. Well, you know, the house is not going to be clean today. We're going out to the park or, you know, we're going to experience family together. And it's just the house is going to be dirty, unfortunately. But, you know, that's what we're going to do today. Absolutely. You see, at the
1: end of the day, your child is going to remember the magical moments that you have with him. You know, yes. and it's at the end of the day, your child's not gonna it's it's not gonna be thinking about you know always that the house was pristine and perfect right. or everything like that. they're gonna remember the love and the magic that happened, and that's the thing that we forget. we have grown up in a world of perfectionism in a way. look at the articles, look at the you know what's out there all the time. everybody's being uh pinned against a level of perfection Mm -hmm. and it's really kind of heinous on our psyche, if you will, because it makes us all feel not good enough. And moms are probably the worst victim of that because guilty when they're working, you know what I mean? Or, you know, there's so much time management of guilt there or perfection. And, and really what the child needs most is a nurturing, loving mom quality when they, when they
0: are there. Right. Uh, yes. Yes, definitely. So I've learned that I've learned it and I'm happy. Uh, Lisa, That's you have great. shared so much wonderful insights and ways that we can identify if we have a narcissistic coach in our life or a narcissistic person, um uh, a narcissistic personality disorder within that person. And I'm very thankful for you. Uh, I know you've given us a lot of tips. Um, do you, before we leave, do you have uh, a few tips you want to share to take us out with just a review? Well, just to review, I just really want everybody to know that um, life should
1: feel good. Okay. And relationships should feel good. So, I understand that we can all have challenging relationships and we're all different people, and so we don't agree on everything. We do things in different ways. But let's all please notice that we have a a boundary with anybody coming into our world that is making us feel put down or upset, very, very, very upset or bad about ourselves or it feels mean-spirited. Let's really try to have a boundary with that. And if somebody that we love has said something that hurt our feelings, to say, wow, that really hurt my feelings, you know? And I want you to know that. That made me feel really bad, you know, to let them know that. And to really protect yourself from those kinds of actions with people around you, you know? And to create a safe haven for yourself and the people that you love. And for us also to watch our words, in how we're saying things to other people. That directness, while it might be have clarity to it, to be direct, maybe somehow put ourselves in somebody else's shoes so that if we need to have some, give some constructive feedback or some constructive criticism, let's say, that maybe we can say it a little gentler, you know, yes. and really chase it down with some wonderful things that they do and some great things that they do so that they can hear your comment but it's, they can know it's isolated and it doesn't demean them. Yes. So to watch our words, so to protect ourselves from others, to watch our words, and also to be very kind to ourselves, Lafern, and to watch our inner talk and how are we talking to ourselves? How are we judging ourselves to make it kind, more benevolent, and much more nurturing?
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for teaching us how to be our own coach in our life, certified life coach and relationship specialist, Lisa Sawicki. For more information, you can log on to selfcoachnow.com. Lisa, thanks so much. Thank you so much, LaFerne. It was wonderful to be with you today and to be able
1: to share these things. I really appreciate you.
0: I appreciate you. I'm Lafern Cusack. Thank you so much for joining me. For more information, please log on to espnla.com and go to the podcast page and to the experience show page and download podcasts or check me out on Twitter at Lafern Cusack. Thanks again. I'll see you next week here on ESPN LA. ESPN LA 710.